Welcome to Mindful Business Founder, the podcast for fashion business founders seeking to build a meaningful and profitable business. I'm Liki Tang, and I'm here with you today to find out how mindful founders build strong businesses that deliver value to people and to the planet. That is my dream with this, to say that we, if we all do well, you know, if we support each other, we can all do well. Today, we are joined by Erika von Kaschke, the founder of Catch-Ups Networking, a networking and mentoring group that encourages and supports local business people who have stepped out to the mall. In this fascinating and fun conversation, Erika will share with us how growing up in Tankakaru, a rural area in South Africa, has shaped her love for the radio and culture. Erika will also tell us how she launched her networking and mentoring group in Western Australia. This business was launched by accident and it has grown organically to become now a safe and dynamic networking group for business people from various countries to learn and to grow together. And because of her love for the radio and culture, she has also launched The Cinnamon Stick, her podcast on migration and culture. She will tell us all about this new project as well. Hey, Erica, welcome to the show. And thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really glad that you agreed to have this conversation with me. I think I'm a little bit like you. I like talking to people that have a very different culture than mine. And especially uh, when they're coming from places I've never been to. And in your case, Tankwakaru is, you know, it's really one of them. It's a place I've never been to. And when I saw that, I thought, hmm, I really need to find an excuse to talk to Erica. So, <laughs> and, and so for those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Tankwakaru? Uh, what is it famous for? And um, how was it like growing up there? So the Tankwakaru is like semi-desert. So I grew up on a, a sheep farm. I father was a farmer and it is um the farm was a hundred kilometers from the closest town so very sparsely populated and that's where i um have my love for radio it comes from there because in those days um there wasn't a lot of electricity even around when i grew up we had a generator and they kind of switched that on and television only came to south africa in 1976 Mm -hmm. So we only basically watched the news at night and that was it. So I listened to a lot of radio. But the Tanko Karoo is known for its fossils and mm -hmm. you know, wide open spaces and also for um, wildflowers. So if it rains in winter, then when it's springtime, you have the most amazing flowers that come out. Um, so it's really worth seeing. And, um, yeah, it's quite... I feel like when I go to the Tankwa Karoo, um, it's really is a place where you feel like you can breathe. And I don't know um, when a lot of international visitors, even when they go there, they feel so at home. It's like they feel like they've been there before. It's only two and a half hours north of Cape Town. So, yeah. And so this is amazing to me because I've lived in several places myself, but, um, but only in big cities. So This is like, you know, it's like a dream for me. Yeah, it's amazing what you can see. Like, um, it's quite well known for 
great um, lamb, like karoo lamb is very, it's got it's like the little um, bushes. It's very, you know, it grows very low on the ground, but it's because it doesn't rain that much. It has very um, intense flavor. So it gives the meat a very specific flavor. So it's quite famous in South Africa for that. So you say that you are uh, passionate about people and about the culture, but you grew up in a very isolated place. So where did this passion come about? I, I grew up in a very, like I have a very big extended family. We saw them quite often, like every weekend I'd see all my uncles and aunts and nephews and cousins. And also we'd have people that worked on the farm which meant like um, South Africa, in, when you're on the street in South Africa, you will hear more than one language, which is something that I think I just notice people. And I find that the people of South Africa are actually its biggest asset because you've got 11 official, like, official languages in South Africa. And despite the political situation in the past, when you live in a country where there are so many different cultures within one culture, you have to learn how to get along with them and you have to look for the good in people. Um, and when I left South Africa and we moved to Cambodia, my eyes really opened because in Phnom Penh, where we lived, um, there, are lot, were lots of, there was a big expat community as well. When was it when you moved to Phnom Penh? Because it has changed a lot uh, in the past. It has changed a lot. It has. So we moved there in 2004. We lived there between 2004 and 2007. When we arrived there, it was such a, like a sensory overload. Like, of course, it was the first time I'd ever been to Asia. I traveled with a six-week-old um, six baby and a two-and-a-half-year-old <laughs> boy. So it was, yeah, if I look back, I can't believe that I actually did that. But um, so first of all, we were here with all these expats from Western countries, but we were in an Asian country that was so, was a completely different, you know, foreign culture. And um, yeah, that really opened my eyes to the rest of the world, I'd say. And so you define yourself as a dreamer, or what are some of your dreams? <laughs> I think um, I'm, I have a very big imagination, and I always, you know, kind of played and came up with lots of stories. Um, but I think that um, definitely some of my, my biggest dream actually for my old home country would be that people would really see the value of the other tribes and the other you know within that um and i dream of a, a, a world where people will actually have a fair go that's my new homeland that's something that australians say they say oh we should all have fair a go. fair go a fair go it's like equal opportunities yeah that's how they yeah that's what they you know, so those are some of the things that I, I dream of. And I dream of having enough time to write books, read books, you know, and go and walk beside <laughs> the ocean. Okay, well, we all do that. <laughs> I mean, most, a lot of people, a lot of us would do that. <laughs> Now you live in Fremantle. And, uh, and I can ask you thousands yes. of questions about Fremantle again, because I've never been there, neither. 
but it's um it's a place I would love to yeah in, um, Western Australia because it's um it's at the same time I think it's quite close to Asia quite close to Bali and um, Indonesia on this island but uh, and it's still Australia so it's like you know it's the it's the wild wild east <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, this is amazing. So, uh, but maybe we can you can start uh, talking about catch-ups networking and how it fits in the free mental business community. So, I started catch-ups a few years ago. I actually, started under a different name. It was called Building Better Businesses because I, I accidentally came into business. I decided that it was. It would be a great idea to start importing natural products <laughs> from South Africa. And I, I didn't do any market research. I didn't, you know, kind of just. And so I thought, okay, what do I do well? Um, so I know how to get people, how to bring people together. I'm interested in learning. And I really realized I needed knowledge. Um, and so I thought, okay, so what I could do is start a networking business where people come and you hear a speaker because once you hear somebody talk um, people kind of lower their guards and they are more free to share their own ideas whereas what i found in the past if you go to networking events it's mm, almost like speed yeah. dating you people give their cards and i found that very shallow i always kind of feel like i need more like it's that's probably why I like Seth Godin's work so much is because I feel like there's a moral standard that underpins <laughs> all the work. It's, it really is that equal opportunity for everyone. Right. Um, so that's how I started in the Fremantle area. I started this um, where I just always, at first I had three speakers to come and then invited everyone around. But now since I've started, it's really expanded quite a lot. Um, I've, um, lots of other networking businesses are popping up, but I then joined forces with a friend of mine, Lizelle Hartley, and changed the name to Catch Ups, where um, now every first and third Friday of the month we get together and people kind of have snacks and drinks and still have a speaker, um, and that uh, just trying to build a solid community. So, so maybe you can, um, you know, uh, share some of the topics uh, that the speakers uh, talk about. So the last one was last Friday, which was kind of was really fascinating. Was about the messenger marketing system on Facebook, and how um, you can build your, um, like the marketing or your sales funnel, how you get people to do that, but and how through that system people can you can actually answer your frequently asked questions through videos and you know building that whole system so i found that really fascinating um and it was good like this the lady who spoke really she's spoken before because she trained first started by training up people how to do facebook lives then as her need for her in her own business grew now she's doing that. Now she's doing the messenger marketing system. So, um, yeah, we've had, I don't know if you know the show Shark Tank. Yes. 
So we had one of the contestants uh, from Shark Tank came to speak once about their experience. Wow. Um, I've had the CEO of a big engineering company come and talk about innovation, which was very interesting because he said they build these underwater robots, you know, the ROVs. And it was really interesting because he said that they found that um, when it comes to innovation, every and about the technical details, everybody's pretty much the same, but they employ for um, multiculturalism. Um, they look, they employ different nations because they found that by the time they get to the technical difficulties, they've already overcome so much because different nations think in different ways. People are a lot more creative with their problem solving. So those are some of the- That's very interesting. Yeah. I always I always ask speakers to talk about things that I really want to know about. Yeah, culture. Yes. And you know, what's next? I want to know like what's the next what's the next thing you should know? Where are the gaps in the market? Um and so the people who um the people who attend this networking uh meetups, these events, yeah. um I'm not talking about the speakers, but really those who attend that sort of meetings oh what are their profiles where you know where do they come from what do they do what they're looking for uh when they, they attend these meetings i find that a lot of people that attend networking meetings these days are um or catch-ups in particular are mostly people that are in the coaching or consulting businesses um some health coaches we have a few photographers um we've got one of some people are in real estate and i think definitely with catch-ups it's definitely we draw we draw people that really want to connect to other businesses and form um, solid relationships that will last longer it's not always just for the quick gain so yeah and so you said that you started this business without real intention. Now, I, you've been running that, that business for a couple of years now? Yes. So what are you trying to achieve? What's the, what are you trying to create with this business? I'm really trying to create a community. I think maybe <laughs> it's so far from my family. But you know how, you know, is that you know people like us do things like this yes that really my dream that is my dream with this to say that we if we all do well you know if we support each other we can all do well you know let's support the good work okay so i got the idea so it's like a a kind of um, virtuous circle that you're creating and uh, people really been tight and generously helping each other and um yeah i saw a lot of of uh, i would say transaction uh transaction-based relationship in networking events that's why i don't go to many of them actually to tell you the truth because of this um you know really you know you know who who are you you know why should i spend time with you and what are you going to give it what am i getting out of it you know and um and i think it's um it kills the whole idea of networking yeah to me as well like i feel like time is my most precious commodity and everybody else's as well but um i've got three children my husband works away and you know I've got lots happening in my life. 
So for me to spend time working this business means I really have to invest and I would like to attract other people that are, that are also willing to invest in building a stronger society and stronger relationships. So, yeah, that's why I think it's really important to have this knowledge base that underpins the relationships. Because I can tell you from last Friday's meet, um, where the where our speakers spoke about network, you know, the marketing messenger marketing system. Everyone who came, it was like you came to a workshop. You had so much value from that one talk that you know it was just amazing to see that that she was so generous with sharing her knowledge. Yeah, I can I can feel that. And um, so one of my question is that um, in this kind of business, um, how can you measure or evaluate the impact that you are making in the community, in the society, if you have um, any idea of how to do it? At this stage, I think it's very hard to see that because in the current format that it is, um, we've only been going for a year and we're coming up to members having to renew their membership. So it always comes back down to, you know, it comes down to, you know, um, will they renew? Do they really see the value or not? And in some ways I'm looking at it as well, thinking I'm a migrant. Should I cater for migrants? Should I still say if you're from a different country and you're trying to make it in business, come to this networking event? Because some of our competition really cater for the more mainstream Australian um, person, which I, I, I am just not that. So it's sometimes easier to just go, well, if you look at the numbers of migrants moving to Western Australia and Australia, that might be the next move. So you are, you are in this very niche market. I'm in this very niche market, yeah. And so what was the last time that you felt deeply proud of you, of your work uh, with this network and why? Well, I was, it was actually on Friday night because after starting the whole podcasting, I've done radio in the past, but I've never done really like my own podcast. Um, and I interviewed the speaker last Friday night and I sent her my questions and she was deeply moved by the questions. And so, um, yeah, she really appreciated the interview we had. So I actually can't wait to put it up, you know, to actually launch that podcast as well for catch-ups. Okay, so, so yeah, let's talk about the podcast. I know that you're working on the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit more about this podcast? How, what its name and um, who is it for? So I have a part-time job with Multicultural Futures. It's um, an organization, not-for-profit organization that connects people from a migrant and refugee um, background with the correct services. For instance, if you move to Australia, but you have a child with a disability, then helping those people connect with the national disability scheme because as you can understand if english isn't your first language if you come if you have to go through a difficult time it's not that easy and yeah so it's amazing so i'm starting this podcast called the cinnamon stick 
for multicultural futures. And it's probably one of the things I'm most proud of um, because it's something I really feel like I'm putting something down of myself and where I come from. Um, because I realized uh, we're working on another project called the World Music Cafe. That's a social enterprise where they teach um, a group, it's mainly women, there, I think there was one man involved in this, to set up a social enterprise where they do, they um, learn how to basically run an event. So you get food and you get music, international music and food in any case. So I, while I was there, the one woman talked about that she has a group called, um, where they do Circle of Friends and she mentioned that they they send around this cinnamon stick when it's your turn to speak. <laughs> and I had this big aha moment and I realized, oh, wow, that's what the podcast should be called because in Western Australia, um, the Indigenous people have a tradition called message sticks where if you want to tell your story, you pass on the message stick. And I thought, a lot of migration actually happened because of the spice trade. So what better thing to say, call this the cinnamon stick. So when it's your turn to tell your story, I pass the cinnamon stick to you. That's wonderful. And so um, have you launched it yet? I've recorded the first program, uh, first episode, and I'm hoping to launch it this week. Um, Yeah. And I, it's been great. I'm really happy about it because uh, particularly like Cape, uh, when people went on the spice route, um, Cape Town was a major hub, of course, which means even cuisine in South Africa has changed quite dramatically because of the spices and because of the slaves who were brought to Cape Town. So it was really interesting for me going like, how am I going to start my podcast? And I realized we have quite interesting names for some dishes. So I decided I will ask the question, do you know what is bunny chow or babuiti <laughs> or, you know, names that people don't normally know, but that definitely would not have existed if it wasn't for the spice trade. So with this podcast, you are connecting the dots of your different, um, you know, of the different places you've lived in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Lived in even music and I've decided that I'm going to ask two questions that are the same to each person that I interview and the one is which word in your language are you bringing to Australia or phrase um, and for me in I'm Af I grew up Afrikaans we have a saying that says a boot marker plan which means a farmer makes a plan thank you for the translation <laughs> yes um, And it's more a philosophy of not giving up. So when, the, when times are tough, you persevere and you, you, be, you get creative in trying to solve your mm -hmm. problems, which is a really good way. It's something good to have when you migrate to another country because it's difficult in the beginning, especially. And then the second question would be, which word of Australia have you embraced and have you kind of taken to your, for yourself as a new custom that you are taking on? And, and the one I've taken here is they'll, they'll often say, she'll be all right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and it kind of means like things will work out. Don't stress about it. So it's, I find that those two are quite a good balance of you trying to make it work. And if it doesn't, it'll be okay. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's very, that's very reassuring. Yes. And so I have a final question. There's a time capsule. And yeah. uh, and so you have the opportunity to write a message in this time capsule. And so it's a message from living beings of the future or maybe of the past. What yeah. would you write? Why are you here? Make the most of every moment. <laughs> yeah, that's so true and so universal. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much, Erica. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. And um, good luck for your podcast, uh, which is Cinnamon Stick. And people can find it on, on um, all the podcast providers. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. It was really such a pleasure. <laughs>